Uh, good morning. Um, it's really good to see you all. And uh, greetings to all of those I can't see. Today we're returning to the Psalms of Ascent, the series that Trevor started before he left on vacation about a month ago. Our Psalm for today, Psalm 124, is the fifth of the 15 in this collection. In his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, on the, this series, Eugene Peterson calls these psalms a dog-eared hymn book because they were sung so often. In fact, every time the pilgrims ascended or climbed to Jerusalem, which is the highest city in Israel, and I looked it up on Google Maps, it's a 30 hours walk from Nazareth to Jerusalem. So that would be several days for the people from the north going down. In the post-exilic period, when this collection was probably compiled, that would have been three times a year. Devout Jewish people were mandated to go to Jerusalem for the three major feasts, Passover in the spring, Pentecost in the early summer, and tabernacles <laughs> in the fall for harvest. That's a lot of walking and singing. Luke tells us that Jesus and his parents ascended regularly to Jerusalem according to custom. So Jesus sang these 15 songs on his long trek to Jerusalem, singing them again and again. I would guess that most of the pilgrims knew them all by heart, like we know our old Christmas carols. Memorizing God's word gave it a chance to seep into the fabric of who they were, reorient the streams of their thoughts. Like Peterson, I agree that this hymn book is also for us Christians as well on our pilgrimage of discipleship. I'd like to look at today's Psalm 124 in the light of Psalm 121, which is probably the best known of the collection. We sang this morning, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 124 ends with a very similar affirmation. Our help is in the name of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. My help becomes our help. The wording in the name of the Lord insists on the name of Yahweh which evokes the covenant linking us to God. This God of the covenant is the creator of all that is. Both Psalms of eight verses each use the name of Yahweh four times. As Jeannie mentioned last week, this name of God, the God of the covenant given to Moses in the burning bush was so holy for the Jewish people that they did not write the vowels or pronounce the four consonants. But every time they came to this name, they pronounced a completely different word, Adonai, which means the Lord. So you'll see in some translations, Lord is all capital letters. That means it's this name of the covenant. Psalm 121 seems to be inspired by the famous ironic blessing, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And it goes on to 
tell us how God keeps us from danger by day and by night and our coming and our going. Does this mean we are bulletproof as we go through life, unaffected by those bad things that happen to others? Well, Psalm 24 gives a resounding no to that question. In fact, it enumerates a series of spectacular disasters and trials that this community of believers has had to live through. What Psalm 124 insists on, hammering it home through repetition in the first two verses is not the absence of trials, but that Yahweh, the Lord, is on our side. He is for us when everything is against us. Sometimes we have to cling to this truth when all else is dark, when we can make sense of nothing. And in this Psalm, this theme takes on a special, rather unique twist. The Psalmist doesn't just affirm the positive, he makes us imagine what would have been if the Lord had not been on our side. The Psalmist sets up the suspense. If the Lord had not been on our side or for us, and he repeats it, so that we know that all the terrible things he will name after it are already defanged. He enumerates in rapid succession four striking images that people in the Middle East experience. Flowing through his metaphors from fire to flood to fangs to fowler's snare. In verses two and three, when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The first image is the attack of an angry enemy who would have swallowed us alive. I think of the three friends and the fiery furnace from Daniel. And do you remember in the fiery furnace, they were swallowed, but there was a fourth person in there. Peterson calls this enemy a dragon, the projection of all our fears ready to swallow us up. In the next two verses, the psalmist passes to a second dramatic image, that of a sudden flash flood in the desert. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. In Israel, it was tempting to settle around the riverbeds in the lush valleys. But when the rain came, the floods could be sudden and devastating. Peterson explains, there is no escaping. One minute you are well and happy and making plans for the future. The next minute, the entire world is disarranged in a catastrophe. As global warming intensifies, more than ever, people are experiencing sudden disaster, torrential floods on the one hand, extreme heat and forest fires on the other. Superimposed on this, a tiny virus 
that seem to emerge, emerge from nowhere overnight is wreaking havoc across the globe. We feel panicked and powerless, not only as individuals, but as entire communities. If we thought we know what our future is going to be, now we know that we don't know. In verse six, the grammar changes. The psalmist is no longer using the conditional, but suddenly interjects an imperative. Praise be to the Lord. With two declarative images. The first image is of the ferocious predator that has been stopped. God has not let us be torn by their teeth. I think of Daniel in the lion's den. I'm very happy to see some of my Sunday school class here. The psalmist's last evocative image is that of the great escape of the bird from the snare. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has, has been broken and we have escaped. We have, we have not been torn apart. It is the snare that has been ripped open. Israel's nationhood was born in the miraculous um, delivery from slavery. This image is, also evokes their release from the captivity and in the exile. In Psalm, one, Psalm 121 is a praise psalm. It declares the nature of the Lord, the God who watches over us, who keeps us. Psalm 124 is a testimony psalm. Looking back at the disasters we have come through and confirming the praise of 121. Yes, see how the Lord has kept us. Our walk of faith needs this dialogue between the looking forward and the looking back. Affirming who God is, as in Psalm 121, as we look to our God to navigate the storms of life. Psalm 124 reminds us of how important it is to stop, stop periodically to look back. I, for one, too easily take God's provision for granted. I'm better at lamenting. Most testimony psalms are individual, but here the worship leader encourages the whole assembly to sing with one voice. I love Peterson's translation of the first two verses. If God had not been for us, all together now, Israel, sing it out. If God had not been for us. If Psalm 121 is articulated around the first person singular, I and my, and then moves to the second person, you and your, Psalm 124 is all about the first person plural. 12 pronouns or adjectives, our, us, we. This is a song for the community. The psalmist calls us to reflect on and declare to each other God's goodness to us as a community, as a people. How has God preserved our Emmaus community through a series of trials? First, the crisis of the Anglican church that led to our founding. Then a series of other trials, changing venues, three times, changing pastors, three times, 
and most recently experiencing radically different ways of worshiping during COVID. We are still struggling to work out the wrinkles and I apologize to all the people on Wednesday night who tried to log on. I couldn't log on either uh, to the book study. Um, but in these stresses, we are discovering God's goodness. Some ministries like the Women's Bible Study has actually doubled since COVID. The open door as well has gone through so many serious trials in the past decade and yet is still open. I would like to move on now to the excellent question Jeannie asked of her Psalms last week. Where is Jesus in this Psalm? Although legions of angels were waiting to rescue him, Jesus embraced what we have been spared. Jesus was swallowed by the monster of death. The raging torrents of God's wrath did engulf him. He was torn by the teeth of the beast and he did not escape the snare. He passed into death and God's wrath for us until God raised him from the dead victorious for us. Jesus is our Lord. Our help is in the, na the name of Jesus, our covenant God, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who redeemed us to make us his people and who is God for us. But what of those times when we cry out to God and he doesn't deliver us? At least not as we help hope. God does not tell how he will deliver us. Some will be delivered through martyrdom. But he promises to be with us. The Apostle Paul speaks so passionately about this truth, I will close with his words. What should we say then about these wonderful things? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day and we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Who loved us. 
And I am, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.